This is 4L with Ryan O'Neill and Rebecca DeCoster. DeCoster, the celebrity divorces are like the gift they keep on giving to us. And well, we've got it, a new one today. I know. And here's the best part about this podcast for me is that it's all material. <laughs> Right? It's like being a comedian and having shitty things happen in your life. Like Correct. It's all, it's all just material. And here's the good news about this particular couple is um, in, in researching and going through this, their children issues are resolved. So the only thing that we're talking about is property. I don't know who we're talking about. Well, I'm going to tell you who we're talking about. Oh. Uh, we, we are talking about uh, Jay Cutler and Kristen Cavallari. Who is that? Um, well, so I only know one half of this group because Jay Cutler was an NFL quarterback. He played for the Denver Broncos. He spent the majority of his years uh, playing for the Chicago Bears in the NFC North against the Lions. Uh, and then the last year of his career, uh, he was down in Miami. Okay. Kristen Cavallari, I had to talk to my wife a little bit about this because she <laughs> she knows her. On many levels. So first off, Kristen Cavallari started her career on a TV show called The Hills, which I've never seen an episode of. Me either. Um, She, and and we'll talk about their relationship here in a second, but uh, she and Jay had their own reality TV show, which my wife also watched. Um, And then Kristen apparently owns a jewelry company, which my wife shops from. So... You know, uh, she was able to give me a lot of information about... Hold on, though. Now you have skin in the game on this celebrity divorce because some of your money is being debated about or disputed in some way, I presume. I mean, a very small fraction of my money is being disputed about. Um, (laughs) Not like the amount of money you have invested in Dogecoin. No, we're not talking about Dogecoin. All right. I don't want any more complaints. Okay. so let me give everybody a little bit of background in terms of their relationship. Now that we've set up who we're talking about for, for perhaps some of the unfamiliar uh, listeners. So Jay and Kristen uh, started dating in 2011, got engaged eight months later, which is always like not a terribly long period of time, at least in my eyes when you're dating for eight months and then you're engaged. No, you haven't even seen someone like in one of the seasons of the year. Like, what, <laughs> like no, I'm serious. Like what if you started dating in the summer, like in June and then by, by like February 28th, you're engaged. You don't know what they're like in the spring. What if they're a total disaster every spring for the rest of your life? This asshole can't grow daffodils. What the hell did I agree to? <laughs> No, I t- I, like I said, it, different strokes for different folks. I had a very long courtship, so for me, eight months just always seemed very short. They broke off their engagement, got back together in 2012, were married that summer, had their first kid that summer, had two more kids in 2013 and 2014. Okay. Um, so, getting us to the present. Jay last played in the NFL in 2017. As I said, he was the quarterback for the Miami Dolphins, retired after that season. That same year, and and this is what we're going to be talking about today, Kristen, now just to make sure my math is correct on this, they got married in 2012. So 2017, we are five years into the marriage. Kristen created a 
jewelry company called Uncommon James. Okay. Um, so where does that take us present day? Well, April of last year, they were like a month into this pandemic and they were like, we're out, we're done. So they filed for divorce. Didn't they get stuck on an island? Yeah, I think they were vacationing on an island when the, when the quarantine started and then they were stuck there, which I got to tell you, like, why couldn't something like that happen for us? Like, oh shit, I'm stuck at Pebble Beach in California and I guess I'm just going to be out here playing golf during the quarantine. Um, so they divorced, they filed for divorce, excuse me, in April, 2020, May, 2021, they're still not divorced. Like I said at the beginning, they've, they've sorted out the kid issues, which makes this topic a lot more fun to discuss because it's, it's less, you know, I was, I hate talking about other people's kids. Um, <laughs> interesting career choice, right? I know, right? Well, unless it's something I'm dealing with. May, 2021, page six and a whole host of other, uh, tawdry gossip sites come out and they're like big news hold up in the cutler cavallari divorce jay wants half of the company he wants one half of the jewelry company which i'm sure i've seen enough of jay cutler in interviews to know i can't imagine jay has any sort of acumen for jewelry design let alone business but well, in any you event, want half of the value or half Well, of so that's interesting because the way that the article is phrased, and, and this was something I was going to touch on with you, is the article says here, seeking half ownership of Cavallari's lifestyle company. I call it a jewelry company. I don't know what a lifestyle company is, but lifestyle company. All I know that's is that's all the, her the, branding. That's all branding. Branding. Synergy. The stuff that comes to my house from her company is jewelry. Uh, is seeking to be is said to be seeking half ownership of her company, Uncommon James. I DMZ think reported, a... citing sources. But don't the... you think that's written by someone who doesn't understand how things work? <laughs> Entirely possible. Entirely possible. Like um, I, they might not mean like. Oh, first of all, he doesn't want fifty percent ownership because that means nothing, and that means no one can run the company. Like, you either want 49 or 51, dude. So let me tell you why I think it's possible he wants an ownership interest in this. And, and, and I'm, I'm just going to throw this out to you. The value that I've seen widely reported for this company was around $15 million, which is really good. I mean, that's nothing to scoff at. Jay Cutler, in his NFL career, made just under $128 million. So it would seem curious to me, and by the way, he started his NFL career, I think, in like 2007. No, sorry, 2006. Well, And was not married until 2012. So he had some pretty hefty earning years that are going to be pre-marriage anyways. That's, those are if he his, didn't commingle them. Well, yeah, assuming he didn't commingle them. So also, have to touch on this beforehand, because I know the next thing out of your mouth is going to be, this is all governed by a prenuptial agreement, right? No, because they're stupid and didn't do a prenup. They did not do it. According to her on the TV show, and apparently during their show, like she would hint and say things like, Jay thinks he owns half of this company. Jay wants to talk to the employees. Um, Jay doesn't own this company. Um, and it's not part of, and she, she referenced their non-existent prenup. So it does not sound as though they have a prenup, which I guess I get from her perspective at the time, because if she walked into the marriage with the NFL quarterback, you know, even with her, you know, Uber 
upper class Orange County lifestyle she was living beforehand. I don't know that she was touching, you know, 128 million. I don't know. Well, maybe, but I, I just think that's the triumph of like optimism over realism. And I mean, when you're talking about that much money and she probably had a few million dollars, right? It's probably nothing to sneeze at. No, for, totally. That's what I'm saying. I, I, she had, she had a reality TV show career beforehand. I think she came from a family that had money. So yeah, I, I would think if you were to sort of put her pre marriage to Jay Cutler earnings in a jar, you're looking at a few million, which is a few million more than you and I have. So that's I mean, good. people do prenups just to protect the family cabin. Like you would think it'd be worth your time. So let's talk about that for a second, because that was when I read that they did not have a prenup. And I don't know that either of them have confirmed it outside of what she said on her reality show. It's not like they've discussed it since the filing of the divorce, at least not. I'm sure since she said it on a reality show, it's entirely accurate because we all know everything that happens on a reality show isn't scripted or produced in any way, shape or form. Right. No, that's organic. A hundred percent sarcasm font. Yeah. (laughs) Sarcasm dot GIF. Um, I would, but, but I will say this, given that they've, they've nailed down what I think sometimes are the bigger issues, which is custody of their kids. The fact that this divorce is now lingering into its 14th month and they still aren't settled would probably indicate that they probably did not have a prenup because there seems like it would be a lot more open and shut, even if you were disputing the terms of a prenup, if one actually existed. hundred percent. So. Let's talk for a second about prenuptial agreements because I think there are, at least in my experience, they're one of those like hot button words that elicit a very specific response from people. And and you either have people who see them as very pragmatic and in some cases, you know, I have some friends who came from very wealthy families and for them like dating and getting engaged, like there was never a question with their future spouses. Like we will be executing a prenuptial agreement because you know, you're not going to get near my mommy and daddy's money, uh, which might someday be coming to me. There's other people where like you even mentioned that word and it's like, Oh, how could you even, how could you even suggest a prenuptial agreement? Like how could you, it's, you know, you're, you're forecasting the demise of this marriage before it's even begun. And so it's it's one of those issues in in at least in domestic relations law and matrimonial law that you know really elicit a very like strong response one way or the other. People either are this is something that we have to do because this is just how it's going to be, or you have people that are like it's a deal breaker. Like don't even suggest the idea of a prenuptial agreement. Well, I think that's the response from people who don't draft them for a living. Right. That, sure. I mean, that's the response from people who are getting married. That's not like in our dark, twisted world where the only people we know are attorneys. Like that's not <laughs> <laughs> that's not the response. The response we gotta find, is we gotta find I send some my new bill. people to hang out with right. no some kidding. non-attorneys. Yeah, no, but I think I think that's still true. But I also think it ignores the fact that the prenuptial agreement can also be a vehicle for determining 
sometimes how things are done during the marriage, not just if it if there's a demise, but also how money is going to be handled during the marriage. And I guess what look, I don't think there's a formula for when you want to have or when you need to have a prenuptial agreement. But as I was researching these two characters for today's podcast, I mean, their relationship certainly had some start stops before ultimately leading back to a child being conceived, getting married, child being born, two more children being born. I mean, are there not maybe relationships where just based on the history a prenup, regardless of the, you know, marital estate size might be advisable? Well, they may have been advised to get one and decided not to, but here's like my brain then fires this thought off, which is no one ever gets married thinking they're going to get divorced. Not really. Like, I think there was a survey done, I don't know, a hundred years, not a hundred years ago, but maybe 20 years ago at some court clerk's office somewhere in the Midwest. It was not Michigan, but they took a a survey of people applying for their marriage licenses, right? Yeah. Do do you, like, I don't know what the survey looked like, but essentially the question was, do you think you're going to end up getting divorced? 100% said no. 100%. Not a single person anticipated or thought that they were going to get divorced. So I think when people are getting a prenup, it's people who have advisors, whether it be their parents who are like, look, we have family money and we need to make sure that we're protecting family money and businesses that if in fact you get divorced and we wish you all the best, sweetheart, with your impending marriage, but if in fact something were to go terribly wrong and you were to get divorced, we just need to cover our bases. Um, or, you know, you have a, a business advisor when you're someone like Jay, what's his face who, that we're talking about. Um, I don't know a lot That's of times. a time, good name for him, by the way. We're just going to call him Jay, what's his face. What's his face. I don't, I mean, I, at least my experience was that it was the people who were talking in the person's ear who was getting married. It pretty rarely was the person who was getting married. It happened, but it was unusual. And it was usually to protect a business or family money that was pre-existing. So I was looking this up just to see if I could find some updated. But here's the thing, even like usually, and uh, my memory's a little fuzzy on this because I haven't drafted a prenup in a while, but for things that are developed during the marriage, typically those would be divisible in a divorce, even if you had a prenup, like if she started this company five years into the marriage, unless they had a carve out for anything that she developed and solely owned. And even if she used marital money to start it, which I think would be unusual in a prenup. So hold on, before we get to that. Am I going down a rabbit hole? No, you're, you're going on to this to the segue here, and, and I didn't want to segue yet. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, it, because it's something that you touched on, right? You, you had, you, you know, some clerk in the Midwest had their own family feud style survey, right? We surveyed 100 couples, top yeah. one answers on the board. How many of you are getting divorced? None, right? But, right. you know, even when you look up modern, you know, I, I was trying to look up 
more relevance, you know, like up-to-date stats as we were talking here. You know, the American Psychological Association. 40 to 50% of married couples in the U.S. divorce, and oh, by the way, the divorce rate for subsequent marriages is even higher, okay? Meaning right. you're on your second or your third marriage, you know, by the time you start getting to that point, you, divorce might not be as much of an unexpected event as it was the first time for you. Um, I guess in that sense, you know, it's one of those things where it's everybody believes I'm the mar- like, is that what's going on? Everyone believes mine is the marriage that's never going to have any cracks and it's all these other people that are going to have issues. I don't know, maybe. Well, and I- I, I'm just saying for something that happens half of the time, you know, if it, it, it just seems naive that people would walk in and, and be like, there's no way this marriage is going to end in a divorce. Well, right. But they never think it's going to be them. I mean, that's right. individual psychology, right? Right. Like if everyone behaved rationally, so if there was an invisible hand of prenups, right? Like Adam Smith's invisible hand of prenups, and we we presume that everyone behaves rationally, then everyone just looks at the numbers and says, you know what? Um, Odds are pretty good that, you know, it's 50-50, we may get divorced. So let's go ahead and, you know, protect ourselves in, for the worst case scenario, because that's the rational thing to do. But the problem is, it's not rational. Right. Right. And, and I guess that's just to sort of put an end cap on, on that topic. You know, we started talking about the fact that for a lot of people, you know, the idea of a prenup is a very divisive, like it's, it's a, it's a bad word, right? It's like one of those naughty words that we don't use. And I guess, and it's probably the fact that what we do for a living, you know, when we look at, you know, statistics and we look at the number of divorces um, for both, you know, obviously for subsequent marriages, it's higher than for first marriages. You know, a prenup's probably not a bad way to sort of protect you as sort of a, hey, we, we hope things are going to go well. We expect things are going to go well, but we obviously can't control the future, right? Look, if, if there's one thing this pandemic has at least taught me is that there are some things that are totally beyond our control. And I have no doubt that there were marriages during this pa- that that started this pandemic on rocky but savable grounds and ended in a divorce because of a year in quarantine 100% and I, yeah. there are probably some of the other way too where things were not great and then we're forced to spend a bunch of time together and we resolve some of the issues that sure. might have caused the demise of the marriage had we not been forced to sit together right so I guess I'm just saying that there are going to be things in your life that are going to be unforeseen and, and having that sort of protection, I, I guess maybe just change how you view prenups in terms of it maybe not being a bad word. So one other thing that I've seen pop up quite a bit on social media has been um, comments, and I guess like pre-outrage is what we'll call it, that, you know, had the roles been reversed, had it been Jay Cutler, a man who had owned a business, that there would be little to no question that Kristen Cavallari, a woman, would be entitled to half of it. And, you know, look, I've always said like the comment threads in newspaper articles and Instagram and Twitter is like the worst place you can find yourself in the world. Um, 
But there is an overwhelming amount of people who I think still in 2021 harbor this belief that the family court system is tilted towards favoring women over men. And again, I I can't speak universally across the country because we have 50 states that all have their own, you know, sets of, of domestic relations laws. But I find it hard to believe that, you know, there's anybody in 2021 who still has laws that are overtly favoring one gender over the other, particularly in property distribution. Well, and I don't, I mean, I would agree with you. I don't think there are states who have laws who do that. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I don't think that there are judges who still divide things based on bias or make decisions based on bias. I don't know any of them personally, but I'm sure they exist. Um, But I think our whole discussion about this, like, was never predicated upon what gender the claimant was. Like, I don't... I, I mean, to me, it's just a real cut and dried issue about like whether, you know, was the startup money out of the marital estate? Was there any effort by the claiming party that increased the value of the business? And I think, I mean, the way I came down with it is, yeah, I think he's entitled to half the value, but there's no way the court is going to make them continue to run the business together. Right? So Jay will be in charge of jewelry design and I don't, yeah, I, And I know that when these issues, and and we don't do a ton of property distribution in our roles, but we do some, it does come before us where we've, you know, there's a property issue and and we're asked to weigh in. And I sort of echo that sentiment that I I don't know that I've ever sat there and and looked at it. To me, it's a math problem. It's not a, there's really no other factors. It's when was this property acquired? Uh, you know, how much was contributed? Was there any dollars that were presumably brought in either before the marriage or that was deemed separate either by an instrument like a prenup or by some other agreement? And if not, like, you know, we're going to start at a 50-50 unless somebody can demonstrate why it should be adjusted otherwise. And again, in Michigan, we got some pretty strict sets of case law that talks about the fact that, you know, even if you want to really, you know, uh, make a finding against one party, you know, maybe along the lines of fault that somebody did something they really shouldn't have in the marriage. It's not like you get to go 80-20 or 90-10. It's like (laughs) 55-45. That's that's the most that we're really allowed to go. So what's the the worst distribution you've, and not worst, but what's the most unequal distribution that you've seen? I've seen a 55-45, like in terms of percentage. I've seen, and 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 the facts of that case were were particularly troubling, and and I've I've seen that play out. But you know, again, even you know, on that one, you know, it gender would have had no part of the discussion. It 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 really was, you know, the actions of this party warranted, um you know, a, a, a property distribution that wasn't 50-50. And again, we're, we're, we've got some pretty strict laws in that regard. So I don't know. I was just surprised seeing, you know, that, again, I don't expect that the Instagram comments are going to be sort of mirroring our podcast where, you know, people are going to go, well, when did that property get acquired that she used for separate right. assets? And how would the court order two people to continue co-owning this business as husband and wife, it immediately denigrated into 
this is bullshit because he's a man and she's a woman. And I'm like, whoa, like that, it just, I don't know, for me, I just was, I was surprised that we're still in 2021, like that's our immediate gut reaction. But, you know, I that think- That doesn't shock me at all, I have to be honest. It doesn't yeah. shock me at all. Yeah. Like that's the knee jerk response. Like I didn't get what I want, so it must be because of something that's outside of my control. Or, or false, perhaps it's something that's inside of your control. Correct. Like, hmm. You know, like, yeah. All right. Let's jettison to what you were getting into, because this was something that she reportedly said. You were, you know, when we talked about, is he entitled to half of the, is he entitled to half of the business? Um, again, this is all like, you know, triple page layers six. of hearsay that, yeah, 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 we're getting on TMZ and page yeah. six. Right. You know, but, but the sources are saying that her view is, well, no, he doesn't get 50% of it because it was my money. Like he didn't use his money to put into into the business. It was my money. Well, that's exactly why you do a prenup. Well, yeah. So was this like, <laughs> again, is this a situation where we have somebody who may not be familiar with the idea that money used by parties during a marriage is generally considered marital money? Well, here's, I think the real issue, which is let's say that it was her separate property when they got married. It was money that she had in the Kristen What's-Her-Face's bank account. Yeah. And she kept it separate the whole time. She never commingled that money. She used that money to start this business. She's never used any marital money. It's all been very insulated. But here's the problem. She used labor and resources other than money to help get that off the ground, right? So she's spending time or she's using nannies that are being paid for with marital money or she's driving the car that Jay What's-His-Face bought her for her birthday to drive to work. Like, there, it's, it's, a, you know, it's a joint effort. It may have been her money, but it was a joint effort. And I don't know that a court in Michigan would look at that and say, all of that is still considered separate property because you used money to start it that you had prior to the marriage. Part of it might be, but I don't know that all of it is. And I think it's, if they were doing this in Michigan without benefit of prenup, that'd get pretty complicated. Totally agree. Where do you start drawing those lines of, you know, yeah, the startup money for Uncommon James came from a family trust that has always been a wholly separate asset that he's never had access to. And I guess if she can trace it back to that, that's going to be some strong points in her favor. But like you said, what what resources that were marital were used to help further that business, right? The cost of nannies, the cost of, you know, who was paying, you know, when she opened up a store in Chicago or, you know, was traveling to Los Angeles to do media on, you know, to promote the business. Who was paying the cost of those things? You know, might have been the business. Well, she might have been getting a reimbursement from the business at that point. But But there are startup costs and there are marital costs that no doubt went into, into, you know, the crafting of that, of that business. Here's the other part that I think is sort of interesting is, and, and maybe this is like the, the double-edged sword of having a reality show, right? The reality show, absolutely. Right. It's all documented. 
And, and while it helped build her brand, because I'll tell you right now, I guarantee you my wife found the jewelry she wanted by watching that show on Bravo. There's no question. Okay. So if she's seeing that, other people are seeing that and going, oh, I, that's a really cute set of earrings. I really like those. Well, then he um, put in his labor to help promote her brand. Exactly. Right? And and you have shows where he's actually there, you know, at the store, at the, you know, talking with and, and, and you know, um, talking with her about the company, talking to employees. I mean, like, you now have, like you said, you have some documentation that this guy was, you know, maybe not as involved as she was, but he was involved. Yeah. And, and that's going to be pretty hard for her to sort of overcome and go, this, he had no interest in this whatsoever. Well, let's, Um, if I'm segueing too early for you, let me know. But, and then I like keep going back to the, according to page six, which whatever, that he's asking for co-ownership essentially like equal ownership interest. And it, what, from what the way the article is worded, um, which I have not read, I've only listened to you read it to me, but it sounds like he wants to keep it as a going concern and run the business together. And I can tell you what a court in Michigan would do with that. Yeah. I'm not letting you run the business together. Right. Not, not if you're, litigating it and disputing it you might be able to agree to do that but no court's going to order you to run the business together i think there's case law on point is there not in in michigan there is and i think their company i mean i know they lived in and the first business was formed in nashville so i'm guessing i mean their divorce case has to be under tennessee law then i mean i think they filed for divorce in tennessee yeah um unless they filed from that island while they were in quarantine no i think they waited to get <laughs> <laughs> i've been getting off this island i'm filing right now i don't even um, know what island it was but i'm picturing the caymans or somewhere in the bahamas i i'm sure it was someplace that was a hell of a lot better than michigan in mid-march to have a shutdown um not <laughs> where that it was better. snow and cold and misery um i i I've lost my train of thought in terms of where I was going with this because I started thinking about the tropical island. You're just island. mad about the quarantine. Yeah, now I'm just so bitter that I wasn't somewhere better when this whole thing shut down. Um, but yeah, I, in Michigan, there's no doubt. You know, you if you brought that petition before the court, the court's going to say, no, you're not going to both continue to run. We're going to value the business. And if it's a marital asset, it's going to be divided, you know, equally or otherwise, depending upon, you know, the applicable factors that we use to divide property. But I, I, I can't foresee there being any state that would say, okay, now you two divorce people who clearly don't get along very well anymore. We're now going to make you co-CEOs of this $15 million lifestyle brand, uh, and you're going to run it together. Yeah, I, it's hard for me to imagine that that's good public policy. Although there are some States that have laws that don't make a lot of sense to me. True. It's possible. True. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, we know a lot of them, but I just don't know specifically, you know, Tennessee's property division. No, and I don't want to know. <laughs> don't. I don't want to know. And if we ever leave the front of the court, we could start our own practice. Everyone's moving to Nashville. I feel like that's just one of those cities that's like exploded in the last 10 years. Like everyone's going like, to Nashville. I feel like it is. And I also feel like Texas. Like I know a jillion people who have moved to Texas 
from all kinds of places. And I don't understand that. I mean, I guess just from a landmass perspective, there's some room, but I don't don't under, I don't get it. There's room. There's some cool spots in Texas. Austin, Um, I understand. I understand Austin. Dallas is pretty cool. Is a pretty cool big city. Um, and I've wondered that too. Not now we are going down the rabbit hole. You know, how much of it is people wanting to go to those states versus how much of it is businesses? I mean, you've seen, like, isn't Tesla moving out of California to Texas and Charles Schwab moved into Texas? I mean, you've got AT&T's down there. So you've got huge companies that are down there. And so is it, I want to move to Texas or I, I need to get a job and this is where my employer is at? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. I just, I, I know a, a ton of people who have in the last, five to 10 years made the move to, to Nashville. And you see it even being big with like celebrities, you know, moving over there. I was just reading an article the other day about like the LA comedy scene is now moving like over to Nashville. I don't know. Very weird. Very was cool. There anything else we want to say about Jay, what's his face and Kristen, what's her face? Jay, what's his face? Uh, no. I mean, if either of them want to come on the podcast and talk about this, this is a safe space. And I think that it would probably help their case tremendously, despite what their legal counsel would tell them. Oh, I, I can't guarantee them a safe space. So that's going to just be you then. Oh, sure. I can't, I'm not going to. Am I the nicer of the two between us? I think it depends on the day. Probably true. And the subject. I would say probably 70% of the time you're nicer. I think our complainant Schmacy would tell you that you're the nicer one. Oh, I don't think she'd say that. Oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Right. All right. Rhymes with Schmacy. Anyway. All right. We're done. All right. Bye. Bye.